This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And why not become a friend of The Great Indoors? Because our insiders enjoy many benefits from ad-free listening, bonus episodes, exclusive interviews, useful newsletters, as well as live webinars. And first dibs on any ticketed events that's right for less than a pound a week you can show your love and support the show and we promise that in return your subscription goes towards improving the podcast creating more content and nurturing our lovely community so to find out more and start enjoying the benefits today visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com and talking about our insiders is especially relevant this week since while you are listening to this episode we we might be sailing across Lake Como before heading to Venice for two days. It's all part of the Great Indoors Goes International and we are so thrilled to be taking our cherished insiders on this five-day trip of a lifetime. Oh, I just cannot wait to share this trip with you guys. All the news when we get back. I mean, I'm sure we're having an absolute ball. So insiders, do look out for your next newsletter where I'll share with you our secret address book on where to go and what to see if you're heading to Milan or Venice uh, um, without us in the future. Now, while Sophie and I are currently cruising down the Grand Canal, uh, for everyone else at home, let's crack on with the show. And this week is one of my favourites. Yes, people, it's Book reviews. And we've got a bumper stack of gorgeous books for you. We've got my favourite flickers, of course, but we've also got some readers. And all of them are packed full of inspirational pictures, useful advice, everything from choosing art to styling your home to bold and colourful decorating to, well, pale and interesting. I mean, there literally is going to be something for everyone. OK, so let's dive right in. What's 
first, Sophie. Well, Mark, first, listen. Your dog's insane. Can you still hear her? I've actually locked her out because <laughs> she's being so annoying. I've what given... is her problem today? She's really she's, feisty. She's just wants attention. She wants to go out. She wants to go in. She wants to go out. She wants to go in. She wants to go on the chair. She wants to go off the chair. Lucy, can you get a grip? We've got enough problems here without you. You can hear her and she's in the other end of the house. Anyway, first on the pile is the home style handbook by Lucy Goff. Oh, we like this book, don't we? And we, we love, Lucy. love this book. We love lo- we love Lucy so much that I am just going to say I've written the blurb on the back cover. And I said, and this is actually really quite a good sum up that Lucy is one of the most talented stylists I've ever had the privilege to meet. She creates beautiful spaces and she's so generous with her knowledge and inspiration. So I think this book is a really good and will be a really good learning tool for years to come. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because Lucy, like myself, also has an online interior design school where she teaches people styling. She's got two courses, one which is teaching people how to become professional stylists. And the other one, I think, is just homeowners, how to style your home. So she's already really dug into her practice in order to, I think she's had like almost 2,000 students over on her design school. And now she's put it into a book. And so first of all, what I'm seeing is this is a really well thought out, practical, methodical, step by step taking you right back to basics. So any of you out there who are complete beginners, you're paralysed with a paint chart, Lucy's going to hold your hand and take you through the design process. It is a beautiful looking book. It's by Mitchell Beasley. And, you know, the colours are gorgeous. The layout is lovely. So, you know, I mean, it is... Don't sort of feel that you're going back to school in that dry sense because it, it's beautifully done. Oh, it's a proper coffee table book, isn't it? Like, like well, she's a photo- photographic stylist, so it's bound to be full of the most beautiful pictures. And I like the nice, clean layouts. But it's really broken down in quite a magazine way. You see, this suits my brain really well. <laughs> I don't like being faced with... Not in a coffee table book. I don't mind, like, a novel, like a paperback. I can, like, get through one of those. But when it's, like, a really heavy book... There's something I find quite stressful about pages and pages of black and white copy, whereas this is all lots of illustrations, lots of bite-sized chunks, lots of headlines. One of the things that, that struck me when I was looking through this book is Lucy takes a very methodical approach to the mood board. And I know, Sophie, you love a mood board. And I, I've looked at your mood boards and they are very beautiful. And, you know, I see that there's a sample of this material and a swatch of that colour paint. And it's very much a palette of the materials you're going to use in your room. And I think Lucy goes almost back a stage. She's creating mood boards where you might stick in a postcard or, you know, a nice piece of wrapping paper or even she talks about, you know, the the case for some old-fashioned safety pins and some lace. And she then shows you how to take those inspirational things and create a room. And the book has a section on how this mood board could become this room. And I really like that because I think that's perhaps, you know, taking sort of more literal basic inspiration from the things you see around you. And from there, coming to your mood board of actual 
paint and colours and samples. So I love that. What bit. you're saying is her mood board's are better than mine. Oh, that's what I'm hearing. No, I'm that's saying I'm, I'm saying she's got a pre mood board, and you've you've got a methodical mood board. I she's need got a pre board. To up my mood board game. That's what I'm taking from this. No, they're really her mood boards are mouth watering. I mean, again. She's not one of the leading stylists for nothing. And it's the composition. And she even takes you through that. How you create a pleasing flat lay. So again, I think for anybody who wants to get into this on a much deeper level, you know, not just doing up your house, but getting into styling, creating flat lays for Instagram or Pinterest or whatever. That she's, she's sharing all her professional insights and tips. And you're right, they're absolutely mouthwatering. The favourite part of the book for me that made me go, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Oh, wish I thought of this. This is really clever. <laughs> that's always the sign of a good yeah, book, isn't it? Damn it. That's the damn sign. Damn it, Lucy. Yes, Goff. that's good. I had a bit of that in the whole book. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> wish I'd written it all. That's, that's why I had to write my name on. That's why I had to give her the yes. blurb for the back book. You get my name on it. Because, you know, I need to have a bit of ownership of this one. <laughs> um, she's got a nice acronym, which is called PREP. Palette, Repetition, Edit and Place. I thought we could get into that a little bit for listeners. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's obviously it's quite early in the book, you know, just page 19. So you sort of think prep. Yeah, all right. We all know we need to do the prep if we got to sugar soap the walls and all that, you know, the bits that I'm never going to do. But it's it's much cleverer than that. It's her formula for decorating, isn't it? Absolutely. So the first one, P, is for colour. And so well, no, it's P talks... for palette. Come on. <laughs> She's lost it. <laughs> I've lost it. Did you not know that the P in colour is silent? It's actually colour. <laughs> I, um, I love this one, though, because, yeah, no, you're right. Palette, of course, is colour. And she says, and she puts it in capitals as well, which I highly approve of. It's important to decide on a colour palette and to stick to it. It's the number one rule, she goes on to say. Choose your colours. Use only three, four or five. Yeah, well... Or seven or nine or 27, if you're so Yeah, exactly. But the important thing is, and repeat them throughout your home, you can use them in different proportions and in different ways from each room. For example, a caramel wall in the living room, a caramel bath mat in the bathroom, and a caramel headboard in the bedroom. But stick to the colours. That's the teacher bit coming out. And the next bit of prep, obviously, she touches on this. It's repetition. So obviously, it's intertwined with palette. But this is about how you repeat not just your colours but perhaps your themes and your threads throughout the home so it's keeping those ideas edited and and creating that sense of cohesion which is what we're all talking about otherwise perhaps known as the red thread and she picks up on an example in the book where a couple have used vertical wooden panels in many of their rooms some of them are painted some of them are not but there is a link throughout the whole house into how they've used that wooden thread yeah this is a really good point it's something that I um, bang on a lot when I'm teaching people how to create Maximus interiors. Because if you've got a Maximus home, there is a lot going on and it can all just feel a bit overwhelming and a bit of a mess. And just by simply repeating similar timber tones, similar design styles, similar... It doesn't have to be the same pattern, but just similar pattern reference um, can all help bring a sense of cohesion. So yes, excellent. That's the R in prep. What's up next? So E is for edit. 
one of my favourite words. So she's talking about the homes we really like are very carefully edited and sorted and the clutter has been minimalised. So, you know, she does make the point. She's not saying you can't own a lot of stuff, but just try and edit it so that it works together and it doesn't look like a mess. It looks like a curation. There you go. We're looking for curation, not mess. But you can have lots of stuff. And she does say, yes, this will mean you have to have a clear out. (laughs) 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 And then lastly, P is for place. Everything should have a place in your home. Oh, yes, I'm on the page with this as well. So she says this also entails giving your objects and furniture some space so they're not all feeling on top of one another. Sounds like it's quite linked to the edit step doesn't it? Yeah, I think they do. They do sort of refer to each other. But it's, it's quite nice, I think, sometimes to have that repetition, because you're doing one step, and then you can see that the next step leads on from the last one. So you can go back and have a bit more of a declutter or a bit more of a theme. And it's about being organised as well, isn't it? And again, that, you know, our favourite little topic, sensible storage. It's just like, if you've got the place for things to go and be put away it just helps keep everything looking and feeling more organized and helps with tidying up there's nothing worse than tidying up and going now what am I going to do with all this pile of paperwork oh right I've got a drawer I've got a tray or I've got a shelf for that it can go there otherwise it just gets moved off the dining table onto the dining chair onto the floor (laughs) and on on actually on a really practical note if you spent a lot of time and energy and probably money you know creating a room that you love then you're going to wreck it if it's a mess Mm. you know if you've got piles of paper everywhere and you've got you know shoes everywhere I mean we don't all hang our clothes up I particularly don't but it does you know unless you're going to hang a beautifully coordinated accent turquoise cashmere sweater over your yellow bedroom chair that ties in with the curtains you're just looking at a mess so it's really important to be realistic about the storage you need and I remember interviewing someone years ago and she was designing wardrobes and she said you know it's important not just to build a wardrobe for all the clothes and shoes you've got but to build a wardrobe big enough to take the clothes and shoes you haven't yet bought Now, for most of us, that translates into a kind of one in, one out, but that's also hard to do. So, you know, do think about if you want to have a beautiful room, be realistic about what needs to live in that room and how you're going to store it. Excellent. So this book is absolutely bursting with that kind of well thought out practical advice coupled with mouthwatering mood boards. Note uh, taken and uh beautifully styled interiors so it's uh, it's on our must buy basket that one the home style handbook lucy goth right okay next on my pile i don't know about you is art at home an accessible guide to collecting and curating art in your home by rachel Luz. oh i thought this was so interesting because i gotta say i don't know of a book like this at least if there are books like this, then I feel that they're aimed at the sort of, you know, Sotheby's art collector who might be just nipping off, popping off to buy a Van Gogh. Um, And also it's really interesting because, you know, you, like I, have lots of things hung on our walls and I sort of buy by instinct of things I love. And Rachel's really dived into the notion of the fact that art can be daunting 
And, you know, how to distinct, you know, what is a limited edition versus an original? Where do you get vintage posters? How do you choose whether you want photographs? And then further on into sort of how do you match the art to the mood of your room? And she never lets go of the sense of budget. So, you know, you don't don't feel that this book isn't for you because it's not just for people who are sort of serious art collectors. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And I think that's that's what's really interesting about this book is it's it's also acknowledging that the art world has really moved on. You know, it's no longer those kind of slightly scary bricks and mortar galleries that, you know, with one terribly chic person standing behind a desk at the back and you're a bit frightened to go in. It's a bit Devil Wears Prada for art galleries, isn't it? Yeah, it it was kind of like that, yeah. And now, obviously... You've got the whole of the internet. You've got incredible online art shops and everything from posters to emerging artists to established artists. I mean, there's literally something for everybody online. There's also Instagram. I mean, my best friend Sophie Abbott always used to sell her paintings through galleries, but in the last five years has completely taken off selling her art directly to people from her own Instagram page. So it's just made the whole concept of buying art a lot more affordable, approachable, less scary. But then I suppose the problem we're then faced, which is really what this book tackles, I think, is like, what do you do with it all? <laughs> how do you hang, how does one choose, curate, hang and display art in your home the most effectively? And she's got a really good way to start that. I mean, she she has in this book a series of questions to help you decide what you might like or what your style is and what your taste is. And it's really interesting that I'm not sure we tend to do that with art. You know, we do do it with paint and we do it with interiors and we do it with the kind of sofa we want. But, you know, do we actually analyse what we like in art? So she's sort of saying, you know, does your room have have a shortage of windows or a great view, in which case consider a landscape painting. I mean, it might sound quite obvious, but it's just taking the time. Well, it doesn't though, does it? I don't think it, I don't think any of this does sound obvious. I think it's really good to get like right, you know, nitty gritty about it. Because one thing I would say, and again, I think Rachel acknowledges this, but collecting art that you love is really important it's kind of really integral to how you feel about your space. You know, we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about paint colours and wallpapers and all the other bits and pieces. But actually, a painting or collection of pictures can really personalise your home. It gives you a sense of who you are, your personality, your journey. You know, you've hopefully bought that piece of art into your life for a reason. It either sparks a joyful memory or someone you love gave it to you. And I've done this. And actually, Rachel in her book says it's okay. So um, (laughs) I'm just putting it out there. You've bought a piece of artwork that goes with your colour scheme because it just brings the whole scheme together. So actually, it's the colour palette within the painting that just makes the rest of the room sing. So there's lots of different ways to tackle it. She's also, you know, she has, for those of you who aren't sure, she's done an interview. She's done a series of interviews. One is, you know, how to choose photography or how to buy photography, how to, you know, pick up maybe vintage paintings from car boot sales or something like that. So she's brought in experts to help guide you. And, you know, there's a nice little quiz here about the art jargon, because as in any speciality, you know, the jargon can be off-putting. I mean, I'm very tempted to bounce a quiz on Sophie, uh, but her best friend's an artist, so, you know, 
who knows? So, for example, <laughs> she's saying some of the words you need to get to know might be. All right, we'll give you an easy one. What's the medium? That is the medium is what has been used to create the painting. So acrylic or oils or gouache or pastels. Or exactly. So mixed media, obviously, from there is other ones. This one also easy. A motif. Is that a style? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a recurring pattern. I thought you'd know that one because of oh, okay. because of your textile design. Oh, if you'd have asked me what a motif is in textiles, I'd know. Oh, well, there you go. But that's that's already interesting, isn't it? <laughs> See, I'm already feeling really stressed now. I'm feeling really stressed. That I should know these things. No, well, because that's because I put you on the spot. It's something you should know about. It's so interesting, though. But I think that's really interesting. You know, you absolutely know it for textiles, so don't be frightened. It means the same apparently in painting. So there we go. And there's one other I like, and I'm going to use this one because I think it relates to Sophie's background. And, you know, there's a whole lesson on choosing art for a Zoom background. What is gestural? (laughs) Oh, gestural. Okay, so I don't know this. Oh, it's like who wants to be a millionaire? Who's your friend? friend Or uh, ask the audience. Gestural, was that like, because you've got like figurative, abstract, is it another sort of genre like that, which maybe suggests... Suggests a gesture. Without depicting I'll it tell you what with, it is. Oh, it's it's a gesture. painting with yeah. a brush in free sweeping strokes. And you are sitting in front of your wallpaper, which oh, is a mural, yeah. which certainly which on, as, a, as a background looks like sweeping broad strokes so there you go my background there you go it allows me to it allows me to gesticulate well yes that's that's kind of not where we're going but we can we can go with that (laughs) (laughs) if you oh there you go so if you want to sound really clever unlike me get yourself uh, at home by Rachel Lewis. It's a great book for anybody who's passionate about um, art. It's a one for the interior designers as well. I'm feeling they need to gen up on all of that. And she's also, I'm just going to give you one thing. She talks, she's interviewed a professional gallerist on how to hang a gallery wall. And there's a lot of chit chat about how to do that. Ooh. And she's gone to the professionals. And I'm going to tell you what she says, because I thought it was interesting. She says, start on the left hand side, because we read most of us from left to right. So that I thought yes. that was quite counterintuitive. I've heard I that. Thought you had to start in the middle. Well, I've heard people say start from the left hand side. I actually always start from the middle. I think it's whatever works for you. Interesting one though, the gallery wall or salon style, as they like to use, they call it in the art world. I've taken all my salon style walls down with the redeck. And I don't think they're going back up again. Mm. It's a bit of a problem because at the moment they're all stacked up in Tom's office and he can't get in there. That's how much art I've collected over the years. He literally can't get to his desk. And at the weekend he was like, I need to, we need to like get rid. What do you do, Kate? What do you do with a lifetime of collecting art? And look, you know, I'm not going off to Sotheby's to move my art collection on. This is junk shop art framed habitat posters you know the nice pieces I'll find a home for I don't know what to do about it maybe I just need to do like a carbon sale or something but I'm feeling I don't know about you but I'm feeling like I just don't I just want the one piece the one considered curated edited you see Lucy Goff would be so proud of me in its place well I mean I've gone that way you know we we tend to have one bigger piece where I've never been I have a couple of gallery walls of photographs but I've never gone in for the mass Mm. gallery wall you know as such so you know maybe it's 
changing i had two i had one in my old living room which is obviously now a kitchen and that uh, gallery was so massive it went from floor to ceiling and filled a whole wall so that had a lot of art on it and then i also had loads of art going up my staircase and part of the redecoration i was like oh let's give that staircase a refresh the painter got quite chipped and so we took all the art down and then the decorator was like do you want me to take these nails out and i was like do you know what yes because i mm. might rearrange them in a different way and I don't think I want anything back up there. I'm just loving the plain, deep blue. Oh, we never thought we'd hear Ooh. Sophie say this. She's gone minimal in a brightly coloured kind of way. I but I mean, I, I think that's the point. Mm. You know, the, the whole gallery wall is a different issue, but it does, it can make a, a space feel busier and less calm. For, for me, you know, everybody has a different view on it. So there's, yes, you might want to fill a wall, but sometimes actually just, just one. Oh, brilliant. There goes Lucy again. So she's, she's buried the bone. And now she's outside my door to get back in. She's being really high maintenance today. She's being really naughty, she's isn't she? She's had the bone, she's buried it, and now she's back annoying me. I'm just going to try and say one thing before you have to let her in, talking about one piece of art. And I thought this was really interesting. I read an interview ages ago with Claudia Winkleman, who, you know, the TV presenter and radio host. Yes, Lucy, you can listen too. And she said <laughs> that when she was a child, her father would take her to the National Art Gallery and they'd only look at one painting. And they'd be there for 20 minutes and they'd sit in front of one painting and really absorb it and then they'd go home. And I just thought that's really interesting, you know, that sort of talks to that idea of just just one really fabulous painting that you love rather than a whole wall of lots which might be more distracting. I think that's a lovely idea. And I think that's a lovely idea if you live next to the National Portrait Gallery. I won't well, there is that. schlepping up to London. To, I, want my, <laughs> I want my value for my train ticket if I'm going to in the gallery. There goes the guinea pig. This is like... Oh, it's yes. like Dr. Doolittle's in here. Well, I don't know that it is. I don't think you're talking to them very satisfactorily. He would have them all asleep and calm. You know, I think, I think you're the anti-Dr. Doolittle. Okay. On to book number three. Yeah, what have you got in next in your pile? I have got next in my pile. I'm holding it up to the camera, which means I can't read the title. Um, <laughs> the New Naturals. By? The New Naturals by Jennifer Haslam. And she's also an interior stylist, isn't she? Yes, I've worked with Jen before. She's um, styled some shoots that I've worked on. Really, again, very well established, amazing um, career in magazines and journalism. Um, and she kind of a bit like Lucy, but this is a really different book to Lucy, though, I hasten to add. But it is bringing beautiful photography together with some quite an interesting read. So uh, this is for our flickers and our readers, this book. It's it's different, this one. So this one is obviously naturals. It's it's a much more pared back colour palette, but it's all about creating a home that is sustainable in different ways. And I think that's what's really interesting about it. She's been to lots of different homes and interviewed the owners about how they have approached this idea of sustainability. So there is one home that's just salvaged stuff. There's one which is just pre-loved vintage or second hand, depending on what you want to call it. There's another one which has been decorated in colours and tones and materials that are all natural and therefore are supposed to help with your health. So I don't want to say it's a more serious book and imply the others aren't serious, but this is a book that that you can learn from and you can pick up bits that might be useful. What I think is quite interesting about um, how she got into this in her introduction, she says, you know, as an interior stylist, she's always been perennially fascinated by trends and how people are adopting them. 
But what she was observing, and again, this is somebody who probably as a stylist goes to lots of different houses for photo shoots. So she sees how people are living. And these are people in nice houses. (laughs) Fancy people. (laughs) She gets to see some fancy houses. But what she was observing, she says, is a shift in the types of materials used. And the types of materials that had been left on display in interior. So she says, while in natu- uh, in rural settings, you'd expect to see natural materials like stone, wood, clay and so on. But what she was noticing was that they were featuring more frequently in urban homes and started questioning, you know, why were people going for these clay textured or lime wash walls and using quite historic methods of plastering and building in really modern urban interiors why were people choosing to you know leave their rafters exposed and the other thing she said as well is like why was she seeing so many real wood kitchens dominating her instagram feed yeah and i thought yeah it's like it's interesting how these things sort of subtly just come along so it's uh, what i find interesting is from someone who's a stylist who's interested in the aesthetics she's actually seen that this is where people's building and architectural and practical concerns with the environment sort of marry in with how the house ends up looking like it it's coming from design from the from both angles if you like and I suppose this book is a real celebration of that so if you're interested in sustainable building and using natural materials and like as you said Kate reclaim materials you might go onto YouTube or read some builders or some architects blogs But the aesthetics are always something that's really, you know, separate. Whereas this is bringing in all the beautiful design elements, the floor finishes, the furniture, the lighting, the kitchens into a full package. And I think what comes across or what came across to me from this book, there's a real, whether it's an emphasis or whether that's just the result on, it's not so much about the colour here. This is is not a book that it's a colour story. It's tactility and that really poncy word that designers used materiality I mean I just you know it's the different stuff that people are using and so and actually I look at my house now which we've just finished and we've got you know a terracotta floor in the kitchen I've got sisal carpet in one room wool carpet in another yes they're natural materials but they're also really tactile and you know we've spoken a lot on this program about biophilia and those studies that touching and seeing wood calms the heart rate so it's really interesting that you know the first house she talks about is is designing with health in mind as and then it's salvaging and it's it's a different approach to a book but one I think that we are perhaps it's creeping up on us if we perhaps haven't realized it until we stop to look at it does that make sense well it's just a bit so when I first saw this book I was like oh god new naturals really (laughs) bore off you know because I'm not you're not natural (laughs) it's a uh, you know for people who haven't got a copy of the book in front of them listening to this podcast it's very beige it's very brown it's what you'd expect from a book that says it's the new it's not very beige and brown it's very natural extremely brown Kate but you know what Jen says is like nature's endlessly inspiring palette of colour pattern and texture and material is evidence throughout all the properties and I think these are people who you know does it go hand in hand if you care about the environment if you care about craftsmanship if you care about nature do you have to have a brown home I would argue no you don't but it seems most people think you do because you can still have you know, stone floors and lots of natural light and 
authentic materials and have there is no vibrant colouring here. In fact, I put a post-it note on the amazing Sebastian. I was Cox's just going to say him, pink and yellow, because you have to get all the way to page. Oh, she hasn't put page numbers on here. Okay, you have to get all the way. I'd say a third through the book before you get some yellow. There's oh, oh it's a yellow living room. Oh no, and then there's a pink living room, and then that's it it all goes back to neutrals it's very very neutral i wonder if that puts people off like you because your reaction is oh god you know of course in my head on the surface i'd really like to be more sustainable and use more natural materials but if it means it's all got to be brown then i'm out well like you see that's my argument it doesn't exactly that of course it doesn't and actually you know um sebastian cox uses edward bulmer paints which is an environmental paint but they come guess what in lots of different colours. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think that's that's the thing to to emphasise is that there is a lot of useful information in this book. There's a lot of interesting information. And, you know, 50% of you will find the houses beautiful and 50% of you will find the houses brown. Oh, listen, but listen. The- can I just caveat that with these interiors are beautiful. Yes. They are. These homes, I mean, these homes are are stunning and that's the other thing I'd say is if you've got a couple of mil burning a coal in your pocket <laughs> if you haven't spent it on this, the art if you haven't spent it on the art and uh, you're ready to uh, spend it with a, a sustainable architect then this is the book for you this is the grand design of sustainable decorating but, but to, I just want to come back to your point that you know you, people might think that being sustainable is not for them because it means they've got to be brown and as you point out there are all the colours of the world in nature, you know, cornflowers are bright blue. So there's mm. there's no reason why you can't have brighter colours with your Welsh slate floor and your exposed wooden beams. And I wonder, perhaps, is that generation two of sustainable design? Is this the beginning? That's a, that's my there book, isn't it? sustainable colour I've just given you your book idea do you know it's really funny though because when we got this book you said to me didn't you you said oh this is one Tom would like my husband Tom because he's very interested there's lots in here about solar gain and solar energy and source heat pumps and all the stuff that my husband geeks out on and there was a part where we went, oh, he's not having a look at this book. It'd give him all kinds of baby brown <laughs> ideas because he would love, he would love this amount of bare plaster and wood and stone and rustic wainy edges. Oh, he'd be, yeah, he'd be loving it. So, so, so in short, <laughs> this is a really valuable book. But look out also for Sophie's book to come out sometime in the future, which is, you know, Mr. Tumble Does Sustainability. <laughs> oh, God. It's just my own personal little soapbox, but it's my podcast, so I'm going to get on that soapbox. I think you're Sorry, going... Jennifer, it is a lovely book, and I think it's going to be really popular with people who are interested in this topic and who love a bit of beige, because they are out there. Those people are out there. I'm going to add to that. It's also really interesting. If you're interested in sustainability at all, it talks about slow decoration and, you know, how you might want to make that work for you. So it is... As we know, you are all very interested in sustainability. So this book is for you as well. Whatever your colour palette. I'm going to move you on, Sophie, because I know you're going to love the next book. I've already moved on and I am getting a rush of the feel-good vibes from this. Of course, this is my favourite book because it is by the one and only marvellous Matthew Williamson. And it's called Living Bright. And the guinea pig is squeaking his head off in delight with me. <laughs> we can all do a 
guinea pig squeak to this. It's so good, isn't it? I actually, I do really love this book and it is a beautiful book. I've, I'm, I'm going to pick a small bone. Oh, what, already? Let's, what, yeah, already? I'm going to pick a, yes, because the contents really interestingly, and I've never seen this done so much before, have been arranged by colour, right? So yes. there is a red. Well, yeah, that's not that. Oh, unusual. right. But so the first chapter's red. So you're thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Richard of York gave battle in vain. The colours of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow. But no, he hasn't done them in that order. So he started with red. Then he's gone yellow. Then he's gone pink. Then he's gone green. And I'm I'm upset by that. But it's not, it's not in an order. <laughs> I don't understand. It's random. I think that beautifully sums up. Matthew's approach to decorating. There you go. Though, isn't it? Right there. Because I think after some very cleverly organised, ordered, practical books, one, two, three, we've just reviewed, Matthew's kind of like blowing the barn doors off a bit, isn't he? And one thing that I love about Matthew Williamson is he is a true creative in the truest sense of it. He explores colour and pattern and design through feeling it, through using his intuition. You know, he started off as a fashion designer and completely blew our minds in the late 90s by his electric use of colour. Again, 90s, it was really doing quite a lot of beige. (laughs) And then I remember his Electric Angels, I think it was called, or Eclectic Angels in the late 90s. That very kind of like chromatic, bright, tangerine cardigan with an aqua slip skirt with then like neon yellow sandals. I mean, it was just all so brilliant. And then obviously, you know, we don't need to tell you who he is. One of the world's most famous fashion designers has segued into interiors and... He's been doing it a while, hasn't he? Because this is a big book, basically mining his incredible database of imagery from all his different product launches, from wallpaper to bed linen to upholstery to rugs, as well as all the different homes he's owned and projects, hotels and bars that he's designed. So if you're a Matthew fan, he's got his whole entire work catalogue in this Which book. is, and it's beautiful, and some of it's rooms, and some, I mean, actually, that's why I quite like the theme thing, because, you know, there might be a really busy sort of yellow-based mood board, and then there might be a really yellow room, and then there might be a room with just a little bit of yellow in it. So actually, he's showing you because it's not a book that's full of words like some of the others, it it, it is it does have more pictures in it. But he's this is a flicker. It's, it's a flicker. A lovely it's flicker. a flicker. It's actually mm. not a flicker. It's a gazer. New new. It's a new gazer. category. Yes. It's a gazer. But Ooh. so. But the point being, he's he gives you a, a color for the chapter, but then he shows it in so many different ways, so that you can see. Oh, maybe I could just have a little pinch of yellow there, and that would be enough. Or I'm going to dive right into this blue because I love it. Um, But there is also, obviously, I'm always interested in the words. And there is one chapter I think is really invaluable and and interesting as well. It almost could be a party game. And he said that what he always does with every client is he asks them all the same 20 questions before he decides, you know, how to work with them. And it's really interesting because they might sound like obvious questions, but they really give you an insight into someone's personality and taste. So he might say, you know, the first question he's going to ask you is, what is your earliest memory? Oh, let's do it, Kate. Let's do the quiz. 
What's your early? What's your earliest childhood memory? We'll do the first ten questions, otherwise we'll be okay. We week. might not even have time for ten. But you know, I was thinking about this as I was reading through the book, and my earliest memory is of being in a cot in a hotel room. And I think I must have been about three or four because it was when we went to Corfu and it's the only time I ever went. And it was, I remember just that I'm on a white sheet and it's a white room with a white curtain and I can sort of remember the wooden bars of the cot. So my first memory is really not colour. Isn't that interesting? And and, and so I don't know whether, you know, it's not that I like to live in white interiors either, but we can analyse that later. Do you know one of my earliest childhood memories, hilariously, was a birthday and I got given a packet of plasticine. And do you remember when the plasticine used to come in strips like a rainbow? Yes. Like a corduroy rainbow. Yes. Do you remember that? And my younger cousin Sam helped himself to the plasticine and <gasps> took it down the end of the garden and rolled it into a And it was ball brown. And mixed... Yes. Oh, do you know? Trauma. There you go. Isn't that Trauma interesting? Right Made my rainbow into a brown ball. Oh, it was not interesting. Good. Right, next question. What's your favourite colour? Oh, you see, I really hate. I, this is where it's difficult. You, you can't quick no, fire I'm, these I'm, at I'm, all, I'm can just, you? Let's You're try. Hopeless. I'm going. I thought we'd pink. rattle. We thought we'd yeah. rattle through these. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go with the plaster. Plastery pink, muddy. Okay, mine's that cobalt lazuli yeah. blue. Favourite flower? Oh, oh, that's so difficult. Oh, you are so bad at this. So I'm. Dahlia this week. Oh, okay, this week. Oh, I do like a Dahlia. Yeah, yeah, well... See, Dahlia's are yeah, at the I'll moment. Yeah, You'll join me with the Dahlia. What colour's your Dahlia, though? Because mine's probably, like... No, I like those sort pink. of coffee, coffee-coloured ones. Oh, you like the coffee au lait ones. Lovely. Okay, favourite scent? Fig. Oh, is it? I like a, I like a rose. Oh, I really don't. Yes, rose. Uh, who are your favourite artists? Okay, just give me one. Favourite artist. One, one of your favourite I'm just artists. looking at David Trigley, because he's funny. Brilliant! Oh, that's so good. I'm going to say my best friend, Sophie Abbott. Of course I am. Who are your favourite designers? Is that fashion, do you think? Or interior? Uh, well, he's put... Dr- yeah, he, he's put fashion people. So well, who's your favourite fashion designer? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I would aspire to a bit of Prada. I like Marnie. I like that kind of colour-blocking structural stuff. Yeah, I like Roxanne Linux yes. as well because of her colours. Okay, who or what is your favourite musician or track? Oh, this is a good one. Oh, I hate these Maybe questions because it depends on my mood. But I'm going to go today for Scissor Sisters. I don't feel like dancing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to go for ELO. What's it called? Don't is bring it me Mr. down. Sunshine oh, Mr. Or Sunshine. Or actually Bohemian Rhapsody by Ooh. Queen because I absolutely wigged out to that in the car the other day. It was amazing. Favourite film? Oh, I hate this question. Grand Budapest Hotel. And, you know, that's really interesting because that is totally a colour story. There you go. It's got pink in it. It's got tonal oh. colours. Absolutely every time. Wes Anderson. Do you know, I'm, I'm going to say Star Wars because it's just childhood memories right there, watching that on a rainy Sunday with my brother. But isn't that interesting? Because if someone was planning a colour scheme based on you saying Star Wars, they're not I coming know. up with anything you're going to like. No. Although I love the Ewok, the Ewok city Also the is the lightsaber cobalt blue. I mean, are we being a bit too literal here? But interesting. <laughs> too literal. Right, favourite cocktail? Oh, I don't drink. I would go for a Campari. Yeah, me too. Campari based as well. Like, a, I love that... Um, I can never remember the name of them. My brain for cocktails. Maybe because when I'm drinking... Oh, no, I'm all over a margarita at the moment. I'm going to say that. I love a margarita. Yeah, that's not Campari. Favourite city break? Uh, Turin. Oh, I love that. And mine will be Marrakesh. There we go. We've done half of them. It's quite interesting, though. Isn't how it? I can imagine as a designer, 
I could really mine those yeah. questions for some inspiration. I mean, even you like Budapest Hotel, loving pink, loving a cafe au lait dahlia. You can tell, can't you? Fig, perfume, you know, it's all fitting. Mine maybe a bit more eclectic. <laughs> But but then baby your de- but but your decor is you know mine mine is all interestingly my decor palette is it's not I there is lots of color in it but it's very tonal it's much calmer and those are where my answers are going you're going from star wars mm. to roses to you know mad dahlias you know yours yours is yeah via bohemian rhapsody by queen so there you go there you go so maybe (laughs) i think do you know what i think this tells you i think this tells you that the questions are really interesting but it probably takes a, a a trained or an experienced designer to extrapolate the scheme what it actually but means do have fun answer, asking the questions because it's great and it is a very beautiful book it's a beautiful book it's absolutely mouth-watering and i think for anyone stuck in a color rat who's looking for an uplift for some insights of one of you know the most creative established designers that we have here in the uk he does share his design method even though it isn't as applied if you like of some of the other books that we've reviewed today it's going to give you all the feel-good feels i absolutely love it this is staying pride of place on my coffee table because for a start the front cover is electric yet neon yellow with cobalt blue writing i mean my fellow color loving mastermind matthew i love it so that felt like quite a workout that was a lot of books and there's so many good ones around at the moment we've never known a time like it actually for interior books so much so that we've got another pile of books that we're gonna review next month so book review park two coming up well absolutely and you know don't forget books make great presents so if it's not too early to mention the c word a book is for life (laughs) and not just for christmas (laughs) But yes, lot another great set of books coming up notes next month. So, you know, make sure you're subscribed and so you don't miss an episode. So, uh, right, well, you know, we must be off as in real time. It's probably time we boarded another boat or got on another gondola or ordered ourselves another uh, margarita. Do they drink margaritas in Venice? Will I be drinking margaritas? In no, Venice? you'll be drinking Bellinis, darling. Oh. Peach Bellinis. <laughs> Or just having another gelato. But I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Just, um, you know, do remember, all these details will be on the Insider's newsletter just as soon as we get back. So, for now, it's a goodbye from her. And it's goodbye from me. And a big <laughs> thank you to our producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. Arrivederci. And we'll see you in the great indoors. What have you done to the dog? Right, I've thrown her into the garden with a bone. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. <laughs>